We've been talking about habits. Habits. Now, habits are good and bad. Some of them, some of them are just there. But a habit is a pattern of behavior acquired by frequent repetition that has become involuntary. So the things you do that you don't even know you do, those are habits. And if you want to know what your bad habits are, ask the person sitting next to you or the person you go home to today and and those things, and they'll let you know what those habits are. But over the last few weeks, we've been talking about habits that will grow our faith, six habits to grow our faith. And the goal is to help you establish patterns of behavior that will strengthen your walk as you follow Jesus. Now, so far, we've covered some habits. We've covered reading the Bible. And we talked about the fact that the Bible will ground you, it will guard you, it will guide you, it will grow you, it will give you hope. Then we talked about being a part of a faith community. Basically, that's attending church, getting plugged into a faith community through life groups and things like that. And uh, we, we talked about that. Then we talked about prayer. And we talked about prayer being a personal thing that needs to just be like breathing in and out, where we're just praying all the time, where we're having conversation with God, the creator of the universe. Then last week, Pastor Justin shared with you about the fact that we are all shaped to serve. And if you're not serving, you're missing out. You're not doing things that you were wired up to do. So that's a habit that you need to develop so that you're fulfilling everything God designed you to be and to do. If you have missed any of those messages, go look at our YouTube or our website or our app. You can find it somewhere. Just go Google it and you'll find it and uh, enjoy that. So how are you doing on developing those habits? A few, yeah, good response. That's not bad. That's not bad. How are you doing on the quiet times? Yep, yep, because we, we, we said the first week, but at the end of this series, you'll have had 42 days straight of doing quiet times if you do it every time. So if you're developing that, good on you. Glad to hear some great reports. I'm hearing reports of people who are interacting about those things, and I'm just so excited to see those happening. Now, are you ready to talk about a new habit today? Yep, good. You're eager for that. Because today, we're going to talk about a habit that might make you a little uncomfortable. And by the way, if you want to follow along on the app, you can open the app now and look at the notes and things. But we're going to talk about a habit that's going to make you uncomfortable. And before you check out, I'm not talking about giving today, okay? That's Pastor Deanna next week, right? So now I've set her up for failure for sure. So, So if you are a church person, you would be familiar with the final words that Jesus said before he left this planet. After he resurrected from the dead, and by the way, if you're not a church person now, and what I just said, you're thinking, what in the world are you talking about? Yes, Jesus was a real guy. He was God in the flesh. He died, and he literally rose from the dead. Okay, So after he rose from the dead, he's standing there in front of his disciples, and he said these words, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now, those words are very clear. They're very straightforward. They're not ambiguous at all. He's telling the disciples, and by extension, you and I, you will be my witnesses. You're going to be my witnesses in all the earth. Now, this is something that I'm a little bit passionate about. In fact, it's the whole reason that I went into vocational ministry. Back in the early 90s, which uh, when I was writing that down this week, I thought, 
Oh my goodness, the early 90s, that, that's a long time ago. <laughs> I was pursuing my plans and dreams. And those plans and dreams were to make a lot of money, have 2.4 kids in the house with the picket fence and all of those kind of things. And yeah, you're figuring out the 2.4 kids right now, I know. But that was the American dream back then. And as I was doing that, I was tra- tracking along, things were going well. But something happened that arrested my attention. I fell in love with the local church. Now, I was already in love and married with with Deanna, okay? So the local church didn't replace her, even though sometimes she probably thought that it did. But I was madly in love with this thing called the local church because I loved Jesus and was convinced that the world needed to know about him and that everyone should follow him. I was convinced that people that were not following Jesus and didn't know about Jesus had no hope for eternity or even for this life. So that gripped my heart. And then I became absolutely convinced that Jesus was the hope of the world and that he had chosen the church as the conduit to deliver that hope. So I got really passionate about this thing. We were a part of a growing church plant that believed in sharing Jesus, sharing your faith, and we were seeing people saved and baptized and everything all the time, and it was exciting. And that moved me to a place of saying, okay, I need to go into vocational ministry because I can't get enough of ministering, of reaching out to people. So I enrolled in Bible college, and the first class that I took in Bible college was called personal evangelism. That made me grumpy. Yeah, because I thought, hang on a minute, I'm here. Why would anybody be in Bible college if you're not already on about personal evangelism? Now, over the last 30 years, I've figured out some things that people go to Bible college and they don't know anything about personal evangelism. They're not interested, so Bible colleges think they have to teach that. So anyway, What you're going to be relieved to know is that I'm not going to spend the next three months trying to teach you and convince you that you need to be sharing your faith. I'm going to spend the next 30 minutes doing that, okay? So you don't have to do a Bible college class. You're going to get it all right now. Here comes the dump truck. Are you ready? (laughs) Sharing our faith makes us a bit uncomfortable. It's something that We can talk about a lot of things in life. We talk about our footy team. Yay, footy's back this weekend, right? Woohoo. Go Bombers, yes. Come on. Yeah. I'm kind of lukewarm on them now. I'm still following them and everything, but some things happened. Anyway, we won't go there. See, I don't mind talking about that. I don't mind talking about the many, many great meat barbecue restaurants that are in Melbourne now. When I came to Melbourne 22, three, whatever years ago, a long time ago, there weren't any. Now they're on every corner, and some of them are good. (sighs) But when it comes to sharing our faith, it's something that makes us uncomfortable to talk about. Now, many people, both Christian and non-Christian, would have been raised with the mentality that you don't talk about two things. You don't talk about religion or politics. I've heard most of you talk about politics. Okay, so especially after COVID and through COVID and all that, we talk about politics all the time. So let me kind of put a, let me poke a hole in this myth, 
about our faith being a private thing. See, our faith is a personal thing. It's very personal. I say God doesn't have any grandchildren. It has to be you and him, all right? It is very personal. But it was never, ever, faith was never, ever meant to be private. It's meant to be a public thing that we're living out in front of everybody and that we're not ashamed to share. So why are we uncomfortable doing that? Well, some of us are afraid of rejection. We're afraid that people are going to be offended and we might hurt a relationship or something if we start talking about our faith. Many of us don't feel qualified. It's like, oh no, what if they ask me to explain the Trinity? Or what if they ask me about social issues of the day and how, how do Christians, how, where does God stand on all these issues? So we say, yeah, I'm just not going to go there. I think it's an uncomfortable topic because some people have experienced the dark side of people sharing their faith. And uh, I, I've actually been a part of this in, in the past. I remember early days uh, going door knocking. Anybody ever go door knocking? Yeah. Or you go, for those of you that don't know about this, this is great, okay? You go up to the door. Somebody answers the door. And you say, hello, perfect stranger who I've never met before. Do you know if you died today whether you would go to heaven or hell? You think that's effective? Yeah, it's kind of funny, isn't it? And then there, there's the street preachers. You, you've seen people with placards or whatever or, or signs that they're carrying, you know, and, and things. And then they're preaching. And nobody's listening, but they're just still preaching. They're being faithful, getting the word out, those things. And I knew people who would go and set up booths at carnivals, at, uh, at fairs. And they would literally, they would have things in boxes. I don't even remember what was all in the boxes, but I remember one of the things was a skull. You'd open the box, you'd see a skull. Another box you'd open, you'd see a mirror. I have no idea what they were all about anymore. But they were literally trying to scare the hell out of people. And they would try to convince them to say a prayer at the county fair, because then you're on your way to heaven. Right? Anybody experience those things? Have I offended anyone that has done those things or still does those things? I hope not. You guys online, yeah, I know there's some of you. I knew a guy who did evangelism at the train station. And uh, not here in Werribee, I don't think. But anyway, he told a story one time about confronting a person and he wanted to share the gospel with him. So he put this guy in a headlock, right? Literally a headlock. And he had a lighter and he took the lighter and he started, he lit the lighter and started rubbing it across his knuckles. And he said, you think that's hot? Hell is hot! You know, and just tried to convince him, you know. Is that going to be effective? Yeah, he's probably, probably in prison. I think he, I'll have to investigate that. Anyway. You know, there are good reasons to be nervous about this conversation. Some people would say, I just don't know how. We're going to hit that one hard today. We're going to equip you for that today. But I'm going to offer you one more reason. I think that people neglect to share their faith. I think we get distracted by life, by doing stuff in life, even Christian stuff. And to show you what I'm talking about, to illustrate what I'm talking about, I'm going to go look at a letter that a guy called Paul, the Apostle Paul, you might have heard of him, wrote to another guy he knew called Philemon, or Philemon. How do you say it here? Philemon, okay. If I say it wrong, forgive me. Right. So anyway, he's writing this letter to Philemon, and he says this. I thank God, I thank my God always when I remember you in my prayers. Hey, we're starting out good, right? I thank God for you. Because I hear of your love 
and the faith that you have toward the Lord Jesus and for all the saints. If I'm Philemon, I'm like, yeah, good. Paul's writing to me, and yeah, he's proud of me. I'm doing a good job. He was thankful. He prayed for him. He heard that he was loving, had a strong faith. Philemon was doing really well with the saints. He was doing really well with the believers. He was loving Christians. He had a reach-in attitude. But look at verse 6. Paul continues, I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith so that you will have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ. Now, Paul's writing to him because he's met a guy that used to hang out with, with Philemon. This guy's name was Onesimus. He was a slave. And Paul actually met Onesimus, led him to faith in Christ, and he would have been saying, Philemon? Or that guy, <laughs> Phil, Phil. Yeah, there we go, Phil. <laughs> Phil didn't tell you about the gospel? No, Onesimus, no, not really, you know. And so Paul led him to Christ. So now Paul's writing this letter to Phil saying, dude, <laughs> I want you to be active in sharing your faith, okay? So that's the summary there. Phil needed to be reminded to be active in sharing his faith. The inward focus had forgot, it caused him to forget to look outward. The demands of ministering to believers, to the saints, had distracted him or caused him to neglect taking the gospel to unbelievers. Now, before we're too hard on Phil... This doesn't happen intentionally. This happens unintentionally. We get focused on the inward-looking version of Christianity, taking care of each other, and then we can tend to forget and neglect what we're actually here to do as far as reaching people far from Jesus. Do you know the church is the only organization in the world that is built for people that aren't there? Do you know that this room is full of a lot of people today? A lot of you are watching online. Do you know the church isn't actually built for people that are not inside the room or not online watching right now? It's built for them. Now, we benefit from it. We encourage and all that. There's lots of things the church does. But the primary purpose of the church is to be out there. And see, instead of loving people far from God, when we start looking internally, we start judging people that are far from God. And we look at how bad the world is, and we start trying to protect our kids, protect ourselves, protect our friends from that bad world out there. Right? Does anybody understand what I'm talking about? You're looking at me with blank stares. No, no, you're all, okay, you, you get that. We do that. And that sounds ridiculous the way I'm saying it now, doesn't it? But I could be preaching a sermon that talks about how bad the world is and talks about how we need to huddle together, and you'd be all excited about that. But that has a danger. The last thing Jesus said before he ascended into heaven wasn't, Christians, go to your houses and your church buildings and hide. He said, go out into the world and shine. Take the good news of the gospel. Make disciples. He said, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. We don't run from darkness. We shine in darkness. You know, another thing that happens when we become more inward looking is we start arguing and complaining about things that don't matter as much, about what version of the Bible we're using. 
hey, I'm glad we're using the Bible. Praise God. That's not the right style of music. The way people dress, things like that. And the way we do church, we start arguing with each other about those things when we get inward focused. Because we're not busy enough. So we got to look for things to, to talk to each other about. And those are the things that come up. So Paul says to Phil, I'm praying that you'll be active in sharing your faith. And he gives a big why here. He says, so that you will have full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ. What we need to understand here is that sharing your faith grows your faith. Look at If you're sharing your faith, as you share your faith, you are growing deeper in your love for Christ. You're experiencing risk-taking. And that forces you to depend more on him when we're taking risk for him. When we're putting ourselves out there in uncomfortable situations, that makes us go deeper. That grows our faith. When people have those questions that we don't have the answers to, what do we do? We actually have to dig in and we actually have to find some answers to, to have reasonable conversations. And we, we ask other people around us and that grows us because our community is speaking into it as well. And our faith is getting stronger as we're sharing. You know, when you get an outward focus on people, you know what happens? Your love for people and your love for God grows. Jesus said, all the commands boil down to this, love God, love people. If you've got an outward focus, guess what's going to happen? You're going to love God. You're going to love people. When that happens, as you start seeing people's lives impacted, you get excited, and then you know what you're going to do? You're going to share your faith more because it's a cycle because it'll be like a drug almost. You say, man, I've got to keep doing that. Today, I want to echo Paul's prayer as my prayer for each of you. Paul's prayer for Phil was this. I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith so that you will have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ. That's my prayer for you today. But how? How do we go about sharing our faith? Well, when we talk about sharing our faith, prayer has a lot to do with it. I just told you my prayer for you is to be active in sharing your faith. But Paul wrote a letter to believers in a town called Colossae, and he was talking about this, and, and look at the role prayer played. He says, devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. Pray for us, too, that God will give us many opportunities to speak about his mysterious plan concerning Christ. We need to pray for opportunities. So if you want to share your faith, start by praying that you'll have opportunities. Pray and be alert you know, when we talk about praying for opportunities, I believe opportunities are there more often than we realize. That we're just not aware. We're not alert. He says, pray and be alert. I think if we start praying for opportunities, what you're going to find out is that those opportunities have been there. And you're just recognizing them because you're in tune with them now. Because you're praying for them, so you're going to be looking for them. But... Sometimes opportunities are difficult to come by. I've found that, as, especially as a pastor, because I can spend my whole life just around Christians. I have to work really hard to spend time with people who aren't Christians. And when someone comes to faith, they say that stats tell us that often within about six months, most of your relationships are with believers, not unbelievers. And the church actually fuels that. Because we want you to be connected to a faith community. We want 
people to do life together so you'll be encouraged and cared for and supported by each other. We want people to be involved in serving. Any of this sound familiar? All the habits we've been talking about the last few weeks? We want you to be engaging in that. Those are essential for our faith, and they're vital for a healthy life as we're following Jesus. We also need to be intentional about developing relationships with people who are far from God. Now, be careful with that. Not as a project. Not developing a relationship with somebody far from God so you can tick the box and say, I'm developing that relationship. But developing a relationship because you actually care about someone. Find somebody you have something in common with who is far from God and connect over the things you have in common. And you know what's going to happen? You're going to actually start caring about that person. You're going to actually start loving that person. And you're going to see that person as someone who needs to understand your faith and have the same hope that you do in Jesus. And then you're naturally going to get to a place where you're going to share your faith with that person. Develop intentional relationships. You know, as it uh, happens, it's a, it's a tough um, balance. The whole church stuff and hanging out with Christians versus hanging out with unbelievers. I remember a time that I had such a tension. It just really ate me up just a few years ago. I was having dinner with some people that had been building relationships with who were far from God. And they were just in town for that moment. It was the only time we could have dinner. That same night, there was a church life gathering here. And I had to lead that church life gathering. So I'm having dinner, and I had to leave the dinner to come and do the church thing. And that was important. It was important to do the church thing. Don't hear me wrong. But it really gutted me to have to leave that situation where I'm having dinner with people that I'm trying to show Christ's love to and build relationship with. It's hard. And I, do I know what the answer for that was? No, I, I, I don't have an answer. I did what I needed to do. But it's tough. You're going to have to navigate those types of things. In Colossians 4, we said we need to pray for opportunities, but also pray that I will proclaim this message as clearly as I should. Pray that when opportunities come, you will actually proclaim that you will take that opportunity, that you won't miss it, that you won't let it go by. And then he says that it will be clear. And we're going to come back to that in just a minute. But look what else he says. He says, live, ooh. <laughs> live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. He says, live wisely. That means don't be a jerk, all right? Don't be judgmental. Don't approach unbelievers with the attitude that you're living your life wrong and you're a pagan and I'm here to rescue you, but you got to start cleaning up some stuff and be judging them for all the things they're doing. Don't be a jerk. Live wisely. Also, living wisely is don't be a hypocrite. Don't live your life in such a way that when you start sharing your faith, they're going to say, wow, you're a Christian? Whoa, I don't think I need any of that because I think I'm actually doing better than you in life. So don't be a hypocrite. He says, speak with grace. Respond to things that will draw people to, not repel them from Jesus. For those who would say, 
but you know, I, I hear you, but I just, I can't share my faith because I don't know what to say. Let me help you out here. It's way easier than you think. So we're going to pray for opportunities. Then you're going to prepare your story. You're going to prepare your story. Now, no, I didn't say prepare an in-depth doctrinal treatise that will explain all the intricacies of how God works in the heavens and here on this planet with earthlings. You don't have to prepare that. I didn't say make sure you can answer all the arguments and questions people can ask. What I did say was prepare your story. You know what I love about your story? People can't argue with your story. They can argue with things that you might say from the Bible. Now, the Bible is very, very important. Do not hear me say the Bible is not important. It's vital, okay? But they can't. They're going to argue and debate this all day long. They can't argue with your story. They can't argue with what's happened in your life and the difference that Jesus has made in your life. You need to keep it simple. I love John chapter 9. And if my Bible's not too wet, I'm going to try to read it for you. John chapter 9, Jesus, wow, I got it good. Jesus healed a blind man, and he got in some trouble for it, all right? In John chapter 9, verse 24, it says, For the second time they called in the man who had been blind and told him. So this is the second time. They've already done this once. He gave them the same answer. It says, God should get the glory for this because we know this man, Jesus, is a sinner, and the blind man said this. He says this. I don't know whether he is a sinner, the man replied, but I know this. I was blind, and now I can see. It was that simple. It's like, I don't know. Maybe Jesus is a sinner. As far as he was concerned at that point, he, hadn't, he didn't have the theology down straight yet that Jesus was God, and he, he couldn't sin and, and things. He said, I don't know. I was blind. Now I can see. Listen to what he said next. But what did he do, they asked. How did he heal you? Okay, here we go. Look, the man exclaimed, I told you once, didn't you listen? Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? Oh, I love that guy. I wish he was here. Yeah. He's saying, I told you already. And hey, if you want to know more, maybe it's because you want to come to faith too. Maybe you want to know about Jesus. I've shared my faith. I was blind, now I see. Full stop. End of story. The point here is keep it simple. What was your life like before you found Jesus? How did you come to that place of meeting Jesus and giving your life to him? And what's changed since then? A great example of this is found in Acts chapter 22 and chapter 26. It's a guy called the Apostle Paul. We've read a lot of things from him already this morning. He wrote over half, almost two-thirds of the New Testament but he shared his story at least twice in the book of Acts, in chapter 22. And it went something like this. Paul said, I was born a Jew. I was raised a Jew. I was a Pharisee. I was on a mission to eradicate Christianity. I saw that as my calling in life. I used to believe that I had to do everything I could to oppose Jesus. And then one day, I was on my way to a city called Damascus to continue fulfilling that mission. And I had an encounter with Jesus. And I realized everything I had been doing was wrong. I'd gotten it wrong. And that Jesus was the living, resurrected Savior. And I trusted in that. Okay? What my life was like before, how I met Christ. And then, now my mission changed. 
Jesus sent me on a mission now to take the gospel, the good news about him, to everyone on the planet. Not just the Jews, but the Gentiles too. Now I'm living my life to let people know Jesus is the hope of the world. That was Paul's story. What was his life like before? He was a Jew. He's a Pharisee, persecutor of Christians. Had an encounter with Jesus. And now his mission flipped. And now he was a powerful testimony for Christians. You got a worksheet that was on your seat when you came in today that you can write your story there. And I want to encourage you to do that. And you don't have to do it on paper. You can actually type it up, whatever you want to do. But I want to encourage you to try to take this and do it in about 100 words. Try to keep it to 100 words so you can tell your story in about a minute. That would be your goal. What was your life like before? What's the, the thing that brought you to Christ? And then how's your life changed? It's that simple. So I want you to actually do that. We'll talk about that in a few more minutes as we close. But then be ready. I want you prepared your story. You're praying for opportunities. Guess what's going to happen? You're going to find an opportunity. You need to be alert and attentive. I was at an event yesterday with some people that uh, I'd only met one time before. There were several of us there that I, that I did know. And these people are people that are far from God, best I can tell. And we're sitting at this event. It was an outside event in the hot baking sun. It was stupid to go to this event <laughs> yesterday. But anyway, I went. And as we're sitting there, the guy comes over, the, the, the guy that I'd only met once before, and he sits down beside me, and he said, It's hot! This is hell! <laughs> so I'm sitting there thinking, opportunity, opportunity, and then his three-year-old kid did a runner, so he had to get up and leave. So then I prayed, and I said, thank you, God, for not letting me step into that one, because that's probably not the greatest segue. You know, you think, this is hell? Well, yeah, anyway, and I could have went on and on and on. <laughs> About 10 minutes later, talking to his wife. And she was telling a story about where they were going to dinner or something. And she, she just mentioned, just briefly, uh, the church lady. So I was like, oh, okay, I heard that. So about a minute later, I said, you mentioned the church lady. What, what was that about and everything? And that's where the conversation kind of stopped. We, we talked and everything. Didn't share the gospel. Didn't give her the plan of salvation or him the plan of salvation and wrestle him to the ground and get him to say a prayer. But we're sowing seeds. We're sowing seeds. We're getting to know them, building the relationship by listening, being alert for the opportunities that might be there. Jesus' example of this was meeting people right where they were. You might remember the story of the woman at the well in John chapter 4. He met her at the well. She was there because she needed water. She came there every day, and he met her there. He didn't say, you have to go to the temple to talk to me or anything like that. He met her right where she was. Jesus also asked her for something. He said, give me a drink. He did the same thing with Peter. He said, Peter, take me out in your boat so I can speak to the people. You know what Jesus is doing there? He's valuing people. People like to be needed. If you're building relationships with people who are far from God, Find something you can connect with that they could actually help you with and ask them. We, we, we focus on helping other people as Christians. We, we think that's the way to win them, and, and certainly we want to help people. But you know what? Helping them can, make them, it can happen by making them feel valued, valuable, like they did something for you. So think about Jesus' way there. People love to feel valued. One more way you can share your faith. We'll wrap up here pretty quick. I'm, I'm, I'm serious, sort of. Uh, is very simply, you can invite people to church. The woman of the well that I was just talking about 
When she encountered Jesus there at the well, you know what she did? As soon as she realized she had met the Messiah, she had met Jesus, she went back to the city and told everybody that, hey, I have met the Messiah, come and see. In John chapter 1, there's a long list of people that came to Christ, and it started with John the Baptist pointing people to Christ, and then there was a guy called Andrew, he's one of them that John the Baptist pointed. As soon as Andrew came to faith, as soon as he saw Jesus, you know what he did? He went and he got his brother Simon, who was Peter, Peter's a big deal in the Bible, we'll talk about that other days. It was his family. He told Simon, his family, his brother. And then Jesus called another guy called Philip. This is all in John chapter 1. And Philip immediately went and found Nathaniel, his friend. These people were all concerned about other people as soon as they met Jesus. Matthew was a tax collector. He was a bad dude. And Jesus said, come follow me. Matthew came and followed Jesus. And you know what he did after that? He was like, I, I'm enjoying following Jesus. This is really good. It's changed my life. Jesus, hey, I want to throw a party. And I want to invite all my pagan friends, and I want you to be there. Inviting because they cared, because they were concerned about other people far from Jesus. Do you care about people who are far from Jesus? Ask your friends and family, what are you doing Sunday? We got Easter coming. If you want to make it really easy, people aren't offended by being invited to church on Easter. You can take one of these cards that you got there. And by the way, we've got a couple thousand of them. So if you want to take 20, go ahead and do it. Invite people. Say, what are you doing Sunday? And then invite them and offer, hey, and after church, I'll sit with you at church. Then we'll go out for lunch after. You'll come to my house for lunch or we'll do something fun after church, after you endure church with me for 30 minutes. My prayer for you today is this. I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith so that you will have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ. Why do we need to be active in sharing our faith? Because Romans chapter 10, Paul writing again says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? People in your life who are far from God need hope. That hope is found in Jesus. And the only way they're going to find that is if someone tells them. So this week, as you get ready to go out, I want to encourage you and challenge you. Pray for the opportunities to come along. And then prepare your story. And here's a big challenge. You got the sheet. You can write that down and stick it in your Bible or whatever. But if you want to, I would challenge you. Type up your story. Keep it to 100 words. If it's 101, I'm going to delete it, okay? <laughs> type it up. I really won't. And send it to the email address you see there. And then myself or one of our other team will actually go over that and maybe give you some feedback and maybe help you. You know why I want to do this? One, I want to hear your stories. But two, I want to help you with your story so that you can be prepared to share your story when the opportunities come along. And then finally, as you're praying for opportunities, prayer your story, invite people to church and see what God might do. This needs to become a habit. This needs to be like breathing, something we do every day in our life. We're living out our faith and we're vocal about our faith in simple and plain ways. I'm going to ask you a hard question. Anybody here that would say, you know what? I know I need to share my faith, and I want to do that. I want to take steps to create a habit of sharing my faith. 
If that's you, if you just lift up your hand. And by the way, you're saying, well, that's scary. Look at all the people in here and everything. It's a whole lot scarier sharing your faith than raising your hand in a room full of a bunch of believers. Okay? So raise your hand. If that's you today, you say, hey, I know I need to share my faith. Say, yeah, raise it up. Stick it up high. Leave it there for a second. Leave it there. Leave it there. Thank you. Thank you. Because what I want to do now, I want to pray for you. All of you that have your hands up. And those of you that didn't raise your hands, but you know you need to be sharing your faith, I'm going to pray for you too. But I'm going to ask you to do another step, okay? I'm going to ask you to be really bold. I want you to stand up while I pray for you. Stand up. If you raised your hand, you want to be developing this habit of sharing your faith. I want to pray over you right now. I want to speak Jesus over you. I want to be praying for you to have boldness, but I want to be praying for the people that you're going to be inviting. I want to pray for those opportunities for you. Father, thank you for all the people standing around this room right now who are saying in front of you and in front of us, I want to share my faith. I want to declare the hope I have in Jesus with other people. Lord, thank you for these people. And Lord, I pray for each and every one of them right now, the dozens that are standing right now, that you would give them the boldness to do so. Give them the boldness to go from where they're standing right now to when they have the interactions with people through this week. Give them boldness to be ready to share, to invite people to come to church, to invite people to come to faith. Lord, I pray that you would be giving them that boldness. And Lord, I also pray for those people that they're going to interact with, that you would be preparing their hearts for this interaction. And Lord, if it's a weird one, if it's a tough one, if it's a strange one for them, I pray that they would receive it well. And when they're surprised, that you would have your spirit doing a work in their heart. Lord, thank you for what you're doing right now in these people's lives. In Jesus' name, amen.